So, we're doing the Good Shepherd today. And I'm just going to read you two readings that we came to using. And they are John chapter 10, to a continuing in John, verses 11. And you want to pull that up for us, Chrissy? Going on. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. And we're going to pick up again from verse 25. So we're skipping about six verses. And it says, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works of I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. It's a good verse, isn't it? Good couple of readings. Let's just pray together um, before we get into the message. God, we uh, thank you that we can gather today. Uh, we pray that you open our hearts to hear what needs to be said and that you attune our ears to hear your voice. We pray that you bless my tongue so that what I speak is what you want to be heard. Amen. So, let me give you some context right from the start about where this reading comes from. And we're actually going to look at where this comes from in later depth when we get into the miracles, but back into the miracles. If you remember, we started the miracles, but we went to the I Am series leading up to Easter. And its context comes from chapter 9. And chapter 9 is the miracle of the blind man, right? And I'm studying Greek at the moment, and the Greek word for blind man means someone that cannot see. You got that one, Kerry? Kerry's studying Greek at the moment too. And it means someone that cannot see. But what I love about this story, and we'll look at it closer when we finish the seven I am statements, is that... Um, the, there's a definite uh, comfort that comes from Jesus when he comforts this man that he's healed and has been thrown out. Essentially what happens is there's a man that's born blind and suddenly from a miracle of Jesus on a Sabbath, he gets healed, right? And he's brought to the Pharisees and the Pharisees, they want to question him because it's on the Sabbath, it's breaking a rule, you know, they, because... Uh, this man that's been born blind is healed and they don't want to believe that Jesus is the Lord. And 
they bring his parents up as well and the parents deflect all their answers back to the blind man saying, look, we're not sure, we don't know what's happened, when they knew it was a miracle. And what I love in particular about the blind man is there's actually a, uh, there's a bit of an attitude to him. And we see this, and it's in verse 15. If you want to look it up, awesome. It's in chapter um, 9, verse 15. And I'll read it out to you. This is his response when the Pharisees are questioning him. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed it, and now I see. It's quite blunt and to the point. And it gets further later into verse 27 is where he starts getting particularly cheeky. He says, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you too want to become his disciples? You see that? See, see how he's sort of playing with the Pharisees? They don't want to know, but he's so bold in it. And what happens is the man actually gets kicked out of the synagogue. And he gets kicked out of the temple. And that's not like you get kicked out of Westfield for a day and you can go back in. But what it means is it's actually they're kicking him out of religion, out of all sort of ties to his life. He's only ever known to be a Jew, right? And so he doesn't actually have any... He's got this excitement and just being healed, but then the people that should be excited with him are actually denying him and throwing him out, right? And so... I don't want to go too much into this because this isn't the point of today's sermons, but it's really important to acknowledge the three different types of people. And these three people are the blind man, the parents, and the Pharisees. They're the three different sorts of people. Let me go into that a bit more. The blind man had the boldness to the point of being kicked out of the synagogue and being thrown out of the temple, right? He would stand up for his faith that much that he wanted it. That's how much excitement he had about what Jesus' works are doing. Then you have his parents, right? They, they knew, they born him blind, and they knew he had this defect, and all of a sudden he could see. But instead of getting excited, they were a bit paranoid because they themselves didn't want to get kicked out. And so they were afraid and deflected questions to, back to the sun. And then you have the Pharisees, right? And the Pharisees, they knew it was a miracle and they got angry. They didn't want Jesus to be Messiah. They didn't want him to have power. And they didn't like the fact he was breaking rules to uh, take down their power to an extent as well. And they they were even furious. We could say they were furious. So having having these three groups of people, I just want to pose it to you. What group do you fit into? Do we own our faith and to the point where we're going to get persecuted? Now, I'm not saying go out on Facebook and be a a Bible basher, but will you... (laughs) But do you... Do you get embarrassed when you talk about God? To people do you get do you are you like the parents where you want to sort of you know of it but you don't want to and you want to be a part of it but you don't want to actually own it or are you like the pharisees and you sort of just want to be like nah that's that's not right i can't agree and be a part of that 
Which group do you fit into right now? Which, which spot? And then, do you want to be in this group? Do you want to be... A, I hope you're not a Pharisee, but if you're a Pharisee, are you comfortable being a Pharisee? Or if you are a parent... Well, you may be a parent physically, but if you are a parent in our metaphor, do you want to be a parent? And if you are someone like the blind man so willing to stick out, do you have the energy to sustain it on your own? Because that's the place we want to be, right? We all want to be that blind man that's so willing to go out there for our faith. But can you actually withstand that? If not, who are we going to go to to help us with that? So we see these groups in John 9, and what happens is the blind man gets kicked out, and the Pharisees have gone because they knew Jesus was going to go to him, right? And he does. Jesus does go to him, and this is where the statements came, right? This is where Jesus comes to him and he says, I am the good shepherd. And what he's really saying is, don't worry about these Pharisees that come to you and tell you you're not good enough for the kingdom of God because I am your sustenance, right? I am the good shepherd, I'm the Messiah and I'm all that you need. Don't worry about the Pharisees who they weaveled their way into their position and they're holding on to control. Don't worry about them. I am the good shepherd. They don't love you, they don't care for you, but I do. And their teachings will destroy you. But Jesus' words will build us up, give us love and give us life. It's a huge statement. What Jesus is calling the Pharisees and calling them false shepherds as such. But he is the good shepherd. So when I came to this week, uh, I came in and thinking about what does it mean? And the beauty of having such a broad range of preachers that we do is means we get to sit on what we're going to be talking about for quite a while and we get to churn over it. And my initial thought, and when we met for our Monday meeting, was maybe I should talk about my, what Jesus' example of a shepherd is and how we can evaluate ourselves in light of Jesus being the perfect shepherd. And that's why we have two readings this morning, because... If you read through that, and I encourage you to a couple more times throughout the week, it will actually give you a great, and you'll be able to see it yourself, list of characteristics that Jesus is as a shepherd. But that's not what I thought that what we were meant to be talking about this week. And uh, so my, I just continue to sit and pray about it. And uh, my thoughts passed through a multitude of things, but it came to this. I'm a leader, and many of you, know it or not, are leaders also. Whether it be at work, at school, in your family, whether it be in an RSL club, or whether it's just here at church or in the shops. We're leaders, right? And it means that places that we go to, we have certain expectations and behaviours that we need to uphold to. There's perceived pressures that we need to live in. Why do we do it? You know, because we want to help. We take that role because we know we can help in that way. 
And we so often get caught up in our jobs and activities and you know what? All God calls us to do, especially in this verse, is be sheepies. God's the sheep. God's the shepherd. We're the sheep. <laughs> right? And that's what this passage that we want to take out this morning is about. We're sheep. Look at him. Isn't he so happy? <laughs> See, what we want to do today is listen into what God's saying. I am your shepherd. Yeah? He wants to care for us. He's telling us, don't worry about those false shepherds, right? I am your shepherd and I'm going to take care of you. And we're going to know each other and we're going to have relationship with each other. I'm going to love you and even die for you because I am the good shepherd. See, Jesus is that shepherd. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in everyday life and forget that we're a sheep. We are also a shepherd, yeah? I get that. And we do have lots that we need to be doing. God puts us out into the world so that we can do works, but he is our shepherd and we need to learn to be sheep. So as I prayed about this, I thought many of you are probably in my shoes, right? And you rarely enjoy just being a sheep. And so I thought this morning what we should do is just be sheep. And so I changed from having two readings, which we read out, to just having one verse. And I want to read it to you, all right? And it's this one here. Chapter 10, verse 11. Just the first, first verse. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So this morning, let's just remember the words of David. We'll go into some of the words of David. And let's just remember we're sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want anything. Just breathe for a moment. If you truly don't need anything. You're not striving after anything. The shepherd's actually telling you, look, lay down here in this green pasture that I've led you to. I'm going to put you beside still waters. Let's remember that it actually isn't us that has to fight the enemy. But it's the shepherd who pours us a drink in front of our enemies. He's telling you, don't worry about them because I'm the good shepherd. You're a sheep. You weren't designed to fight. I'll take care of you. He's like, look, here, your cup's overflowing with blessing. Just take a, take a sip. Why? Why are you going, grrr? You know, you don't need to fight. Just sit and relax. I got it. I love the passage, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Like Bronte was mentioning in Psalm 23. And uh, 
I remember back when we did Psalms, remember how we did the Psalm series a little while ago? We, we went through that. And during that time, and I don't know if this was just my man coming out in me or not, but I thought, if I were a sheep, and because we were looking at as God being a shepherd at that time too, if I were a sheep, and God was really my shepherd, truly, truly my shepherd, I thought, it doesn't matter if I'm walking through it, because, and this is where the mail comes out, I'd actually love to watch Jesus fight for me. He's like the modern day superhero. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy going through that stuff, but Jesus, the Son of God, the man that sacrificed himself for us, actually wants to look after us in those instances. He'll protect and fight for me. And I love watching how Jesus comes through. As hard as times may be, and there are many a time you've probably all seen hardships, he comes through. He's a good shepherd. So, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for me. He lays his life for the sheep. I don't know how many times you've all heard the gospel story, but this verse is predicting it. It's, going, it's foretelling the events to come. And what it makes me think about is actually the garden before Jesus gets executed. Doesn't it still blow your mind about the cross and the sacrifice? I don't know about you, but it still sort of like bubbles up a thing or two every time you think about it. Think back to the scene in the garden where Jesus is preparing to lay his life down for his sheep. Think back to the scene and remember his pain. And it's a beautiful pain. It's an agonising pain. I want to go, I'm going to jump to Mark because he, he, he has a great, um, great way of recounting what Jesus says. And he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The son of God who loves the sheep, God in all of his glory came coming down to hu- earth in human form. He's dying inside and he feels like he's dying right there and then. He knows what he's about to face, but he feels like dying because the sorrow and the pain is too overwhelming. I've got it, I think I've got it in the slides there. Here it is, yeah. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass for him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Can you see that sorrow? His soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. And then the next verse, Father, all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. I just want to point out something. So he prays this three times, right? 
let's, uh, we, we quite often read this from Jesus' perspective, but let's sit in God's perspective for a second. So men, many of you are parents, and if you don't have a parent, let's picture our kid to come, right? Picture your favourite one. I know they have them. It's definitely me and my family. But imagine your child coming to you, or my pretend child, and he says to you that he feels like he's dying on the inside, in agony. Imagine him coming up saying, Dad or Mum, I feel like I'm going to die. Imagine seeing sweating of blood coming out of your child. Having them cry out to you, take this away. And everything is possible for you because you're God Almighty. I mean, if it were me, I'd be like, yeah, don't worry about it. Good thing I'm not God. Who of you could sit there and watch that? But then through all of that, Jesus somehow says, but not my will, but your will be done. And what's crazy is in Isaiah 53 verse 10, it says it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Like that's hair pulling out stuff. He's sweating drops of blood and he's crying out to God, a God that loves him incredibly more so than any of us can imagine, with eternal love, but his will is to crush him, to be a sacrifice for you and me. When was the last time we just worshipped God for that? See, God is a good shepherd and he laid his life down for you and me. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's just make a few statements together right here. God, you are my shepherd. Yeah, say them to yourself. You laid down your life for me. You are nailed to a cross for me. You're such a good, good shepherd. There's no need for me to worry for enemies or walking through the valley of shadow of death. And I have no need to fear death anymore because you are the good, good shepherd. See, we all have our different struggles, right? We all have our struggles. And I have a few personally. But one of them is being able to just rest. And just being secure as one of the sheep. And to be honest, there is still an insecurity with me sometimes where I strive to be something and earn something. To try and show God how much I love him. 
Now, I know the gospel message. I know that it's not by acts that I get into heaven or anything or that I can show my love. But it's something that I'm vulnerable to. Rather than just resting in the cross as a sheep and thanking him for it. Just laying down and drinking from the overflowing cup. No one will ever love you like God does. No one can ever love you like this. And the biggest failure of us as shepherds, us as leaders, is we fail to be a sheep. I just don't know how to be a sheep that well. That's, that's my struggle. Can you put that picture back up, Josh? Yeah, that's the one. I don't know how to be that sheep. And the worst part is my insecurity actually affects my sheep. The people that I'm leading get affected by my overworking. We just need to accept that God is our good shepherd and he went through all of that for me. What I need to learn is to sit and soak that in daily. I don't know if you can relate to that. So let me wrap up by telling you a story, right? We were at a uh, conference. Part of Bible study is you go to a lot of conferences. It's great. But one conference, it was a smaller intimate group, right? And we were just standing around. There was a bit of a worship time going on. And the worship leader all of a sudden stops. And he says... If the joy of the Lord is in you, someone needs to tell your face that. (laughs) Yeah? And it's classic. I knew what he was saying. And I get it. Life can be difficult and you get beat up. That's just a fact. Like, if you don't get through without being hit once, then that's crazy. (laughs) But you do. You get beat up. And you get deflated because you look at to the next person and you just feel like they're doing so much better than you are. And it gets to the point where we lose all our life. We lose all the sense of energy and the sense of anticipation. And how are we supposed to be a light? How are we supposed to have... People look at us and say, I want to have what he's got if we don't have the face, if we don't have any energy like in that guy was saying at the worship time. See, when was the last time we just sat at the cross and were sheep? When was the last time we were sheep? And just rested in the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd. That he is the one that came and laid down his life for you. I just want to be a sheep. So what I want us to do is, uh, let's have some time together where we just have some silence. Just dwell on the fact that we're a sheep. I'll leave that one up and I'm going to put the going to put the screen up so we have the cross up there in the stained glass 
And let's just bathe in his love, in his sacrifice. Just let our tension and our worries go for a moment because God's got them and he will look after us.